Not sure if, Jack, this uh, pack turned red. I don't know if that's a bad sign or not. So I'm going to give this, Jonathan, if you could take that. Rule quick. Um, we are talking today about joy. It's the second part of our Advent series. We started last week where we were looking at the biblical concept and idea of love. Love is the foundation of what all of this Christmas stuff that we talk about really is. It's the foundation of the, Christ, uh, of the Christian life where God pours out his love to us and the resulting uh, effect of that is joy that we get to experience in our lives. Thank you, Jonathan. All right, how about now? There we go. Okay, we're back and running again. So we've got joy that we're going to talk about today. As you saw in that video today, that joy is not just things that are happening to you. Joy is an attitude we have despite the circumstances that we are going through. There was an older woman, a grandmother, and she was attending a church. She attended a very old fundamental church that she went to. And the idea in that church was that on Sundays, you could do absolutely no work. You could have no fun. There could be no play whatsoever. And that was her attitude. And that's the way that she approached church. Her little granddaughter was there visiting the house. And the little granddaughter didn't know these unwritten rules that she was supposed to abide by on Sunday. She got up, she started playing around the house, she was having fun, playing as a little child often does, and that little girl was scolded by her grandmother saying, you can't act like that, it is Sunday, we don't have fun on Sundays. They then went to church, and church was kind of that depressing attitude where you can't have fun, you can't have joy in life. After church was over, the little girl was walking around her grandmother's farm, and she noticed the mule who was there in the barn. The mule had a sad face. It had a long, droopy eyes and long ears, and the little girl looked at the mule and said, you look like you're part of my grandmother's church. <laughs> Is that the idea of what church is supposed to be. That church is no fun, there is no joy. Is that what the Christian life is supposed to be? That there is no fun and there's no joy in life. I would suggest to you that joy is something that has to be deep down in our hearts and that we as Christians need to be experiencing full force in our lives. Today, we're going to talk about the idea of joy, and I'm going to look at what the Bible says about joy and how joy works in our lives, and we're going to look at the story of the announcement of the coming Jesus in the Gospel of Luke for our study today. Before we get to that, let's pray. Father, help us to hear and understand what joy really means and how it really works in our lives and how it really affects us. I think many of us, Lord, have confused the idea of happiness and joy, where we are looking for happiness, we're searching for happiness, and all along you want us to experience the joy that only you can provide. Lord, I pray that today, as we open your word, that you would teach us and show us exactly what this means. Help us to take this into our hearts and into our lives and help it to affect us. May we be people that are not characterized by anger and bitterness and resentment, 
that we are not characterized by purposeless, that we are not characterized by depression, but we are characterized by a deep abiding joy that only you can provide. Show us your truth, Lord, and help us to walk in it today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, I'm going to look at the story of the announcement of Jesus, where the angel came to Mary and spoke to her about this coming Messiah. Now, again, if you put yourself in Mary's shoes, Mary would have probably been about a 14-year-old teenage girl at the time when this announcement came, which would have been about the time that girls would have been married in that culture. This announcement came in this manner in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. In other words, we need to get a census and figure out how many people are in each area. This was the first registration that Quirinius, who was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to his firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. And these shepherds were keeping watch over their flock by night, and the angel, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. He will, you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying <coughs> in a manger. I want you to notice those words. That the message of Jesus' birth is good news of great joy. And it is for all the people. That message is an intriguing one, good news of great joy. How do I understand what good news of great joy is? Well, let me explain it this way. Good news would be this. If Jonathan came to me and said, guess what? I just inherited $5 million. I would say, that is such good news, Jonathan. I am so happy for you. That is such good news. You know what the difference between good news and great joy would be? If I went to Jonathan and said, I just inherited $5 million, now we're talking great joy. Good news for him, great joy for me. Great joy is a personal thing that happens in our lives. And I want to talk to you today about what joy is. Joy can be defined in this way that we looked at even in the, in the video that we saw. Great joy in the actual Bible's Greek, which the New Testament was written in Greek, the word is megaschara. Megas, we get that idea of mega, which means massive, extensive, massive gladness and delight. That's the definition 
of great joy. It doesn't stop there. There's a second part of the definition, but I want to start right there and talk about what this idea of massive gladness really is. Let's talk and understand what gladness defined really means. Gladness is can be understood in this way. Samuel Dickey Gordon, who was an author and pastor from 1859 to 1936, he said this, joy is distinctly, distinctively a Christian word and a Christian thing. It is the reverse of happiness. Notice that. Joy is the reverse of happiness. Happiness is the result of what happens of an agreeable sort. So happiness is dependent upon the things that are happening. I'm happy when the right things are happening. When my life is well, when life is going perfectly, when my relationships are at peace, when I have plenty of money in the bank, when things are happening in a good manner, I'm happy. But that's not what joy is. Joy has its springs deep down inside. And the spring never runs dry, no matter what is happening or what happens. Only Jesus gives that joy. He had joy singing its music within, even under the shadow of the cross. What did that mean? It means even when Jesus was looking at the cross, he still had joy. Now, would you be happy looking at the cross? The answer would be no. He knew the brutality of it. He knew the definition of it. He knew the penalty of it. He knew what he was going to go through. It doesn't provide happiness. Yet, at the same time, he had a deep abiding joy. Happiness is dependent upon my external circumstances. While joy is an internal condition of the heart. Happiness, again, is when life is good. There is no pain. Money is in the bank, surrounded by stuff that I've accumulated. Job is going well. My boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, whatever you have, it's perfect. They're great. People like me, like you. They approve of you. They're, you're, you're popular. All of that is about having happiness. Joy is an internal circumstance despite my conditions. It's an internal reality of heart, despite what I'm going through. And that is what the biblical definition of joy is. That's the idea of gladness. It is massive gladness and delight. But it doesn't stop there. Because the second part of the definition says this. It is also not just massive gladness, but it is also rejoicing or the ability to greatly rejoice. What is rejoicing? Well, if you've ever seen a rerun, you know what that is. A rerun means to do it again. Rejoicing is to do it again, to get your joy going again, to visit that reality again, to choose to be full of joy in the middle of whatever you're going through in life. So that is the two parts of the definition, gladness and rejoicing never forget my little daughter when she was a little daughter Abigail who is not a little girl anymore but Abigail her fa- her name means a father's joy 
And I'll never forget her running up to me when I got home one day from work, and she must have been three or four years old, and she was so full of joy all the time. And she came running up to me, hugged me greatly, said, Daddy, I love you. And she said, my heart is so full of joy, I just can't keep it in. And that is rejoicing, getting your joy out again, choosing in the middle of whatever I'm going through to rejoice. Rejoicing is the outward expression of the internal joy that is within my heart. The psalmist says it this way, then my head will be high above my enemies around me. In his tabernacle, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy. Yes, or I will sing, yes, sing praises to Adonai. Psalmist also says in Psalm 33, sing for joy to Adonai, you righteous. Praise is fitting for the upright. Praise Adonai with the harp. Sing praises to him with a ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song, play skillfully amid shouts of joy. So what does that mean? That's what worship, by the way, should be all about. That we worship him by singing for joy and rejoicing in who God is. When God's love fills our hearts and it so permeates our lives, even though things are going bad outside, inside my heart, I can have a deep abiding joy and it can come out and pour out of my life. Well, I want to look today at six things that the Bible says about joy. And when you hear me say six, you may think, oh my goodness, it's going to be a long sermon. It's not. I'm going to actually go rather quickly through these six, six things that we are going to be looking at here today. Number one, I want you to notice this about joy. Joy is embedded by God. What does that mean? It means joy is planted. It is provided. It is originated and given by God. If you don't know the Lord, you're going to have a hard time ever finding joy, or should I say real joy, because joy comes from God himself. He implants it in your heart. Why are some of us so miserable and so depressed and so resentful and so bitter? Because God is not working there because I have kept him at arm's length. Joy is embedded by God. This is what the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5. Look what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. There's the joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of this is implanted by God. It is the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Notice the first three. Love, joy, and peace are the first three, three things we are talking about in this Advent series. That love comes from God. The joy begins to permeate my life that he has provided in my life. 1 Thessalonians, Paul says this, You became imitators of us and through us of the Lord. After you welcomed our message in a time of great trouble with joy. Where did that joy come from? Well, it was supplied by the Holy Spirit. That is where the source of joy originates. It's embedded, implanted by God into my life when I finally follow him. I would encourage you, if you really want to have joy in your life, the first step is accepting the Lord into your life. The love that he provides is the source of the joy that now I begin to experience. 
Second thing I want you to know about joy is that joy, though it is embedded by God, joy can be extinguished by sin. Sorry, this thing keeps falling off my ear. Joy can be extinguished by sin. When I am willfully walking in disobedience to the Lord, it will take my joy away. My joy, the fire that I once had, begins to be extinguished because of the sin that I am doing in my life. Here's what the Bible tells us in, again, the book of Psalms. Psalm 51, David writes these words. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Give back, uh, give me back. Okay, I have no joy right now because of this microphone. I'm kidding. I'm going to go to this, Jack. All right, it will not stay on my ear. Let's look at this. Joy doesn't depend upon your external circumstances, so I do still have joy despite this thing here today. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. Where does, why am I not having joy? Because I have sin in my life. If I want my joy back, God, I need you to purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. I need you to wash me so that I can experience that joy once again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Joy can be extinguished when I have willful, disobedient sin in my life. How about you today? Do you have willful, disobedient sin and that has extinguished the joy that you have been experiencing? You want joy. You're looking for joy. Maybe you've misdefined what joy is. Maybe you think joy is dependent upon happiness and your circumstances. But real joy I am not experiencing it because it's my fault. Now, I'm not saying that's always the case, but often that is the case, that I'm extinguishing it because I am walking in sin rather than walking in closeness with the Lord. I would ask you today just to do some soul searching and let God change you if he puts his finger on that, to repent and say, God, I'm sorry, and I want to walk in wholeness with you. So joy can be extinguished by sin, but joy can also be extended by faith and obedience. You can extend your faith, or your, you can extend your joy with faith and obedience. So in the same way that sin is like a giant bucket of water on the fire in your heart, also faith and obedience is like uh, throwing logs onto the fire in your heart, and it can be extended in your life. In John, Jesus said this, if you keep my commandments, that's faith and obedience, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. 
right there. Where does joy come from? It's from Jesus himself. It is from the Lord in my life. I have his joy, and when I have his joy, my heart is full. It's like, again, throwing logs on the fire. It just heats up, and it rages more in my life. In the book of Romans, Paul writes this, now may the God of hope fill uh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and shalom, peace in trusting, so you may overflow with the hope and the power of the Spirit. You know, it's starting with faith in the small things, obedience in the small things, and when you're obedient and faithful in the small things you begin to experience joy. And when you have joy, because you were faithful in the small things, now you move on to the bigger things. And as you have more faith and obedience in the bigger things, your joy begins to expand. Joy is not dependent upon the circumstances I'm in. It is what God does in my heart when I am faithful and obedient to him. Elizabeth Elliot said these words about this. She said, the world looks for happiness through self-assertion. The Christian knows that joy is found in self-abandonment. Jesus said, if a man will let himself be lost for my sake, then he will find his true self. That's where joy comes from. And it can be extended by faith and obedience. Number four, joy is also expanded through closeness to God. So the closer I am to the Lord, the more my joy grows. Again, despite my circumstances, the closer I am, meaning the more engaged I am with the Lord, the more close I am in reading his word, in praying, in having believers around me, having a small group that I can be a part of, a Bible study that I can go to, attending church, whether it's here or somewhere else, attending all of those things helps me to expand my joy because I am growing ever closer to God. In Psalms, it says this, you make me know the path of life. Abundance of joys are in your presence eternal pleasures at your right hand. Look at what it says. Abundance of joys are found where? In your presence. Joys are not found in the new car that you buy. Although there's nothing wrong with a new car, but that's not where joy is found. Joy is not found in having more things around your house. Joy is not found in having a bigger house. Joy is not found in the job that you're doing. Joy is not found in the size of your bank account. Joy is found in the kind of plane that you own, I will say that, but it's not found in anything else. Joy is not dependent upon the things in your life. Where does joy come from? Being in your presence. Being in your presence is the source of the joy that we feel. 1 Peter chapter 1 Peter writes this, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you trust him and are filled with a joy that is glorious beyond words. So joy is embedded by God. It can be extinguished by sin. It will be extended when I am faithful and obedient. 
It will be expanded through being close to him. That's the source. Finally, not finally, number five, joy will eclipse any circumstance. This is important to know that joy is bigger than any circumstance you face. There are some of you that have tough circumstances in life right now. You're going through pain. Maybe you've experienced loss. Maybe you've gotten a bad health diagnosis. Maybe you've gotten fired from a job. Maybe you have a child that is wayward today. Maybe there's some other circumstance that is happening. I want you to know that joy can eclipse any circumstance because God's presence in the midst of the circumstance is what provides joy for me. A verse I shared a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about gratitude, I want to share it again today. It's out of the book of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk in the Old Testament writes this. Though the fig should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. So how could we equate that today? Though life isn't going well right now, though it's pretty dire circumstances, though I lost someone I loved, though I got fired from my job, though the bank account is at zero and I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills, though I don't know what job I'm going to find, because of that, because there's nothing, what am I going to do? Well, Habakkuk writes this, yet, even though all of those things are going on, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. That's the result, or that is where joy comes from. Joy comes from the Lord in the midst of the circumstances. It is provided by Jesus himself. It is planted in my life by God. And it is a choice that I make to say I will choose joy despite my circumstances around me. James chapter 1, James writes this, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Yeah, I'm going through a trial, going through a test, going through a hard time at home. Maybe you could say my, my marriage is on the rocks. My kids are a mess. They are rebellious. They're hard to deal with. The bank account is low. The job is horrible. I hate going to work every day. Yet, even in the midst of all of that, I can still say, I will consider it joy. Why will I consider it joy? Because I have Christ in me. And that is what produces joy. God loves me no matter what. He met me where I was at. I was a mess and he met me right there on that road or in that hole that I had fallen into. And because of that, I have joy. Finally, joy encourages us to be grateful and enjoy life. It's embedded by God. It can be extinguished by sin. It's extended when I am faithful and obedient. It is expanded through my closeness to God. It will eclipse any circumstances I face, and it's going to encourage me to be grateful and enjoy life. In Psalm 68.3, but let the godly rejoice. Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy.
You know, the book of Ecclesiastes is probably the ultimate picture of what this life is about. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, and this is my paraphrase, he says essentially this. He says, you know, I have tried money. I have tried lots of relationships. I have tried having wonderful businesses. I have tried drinking. I have tried drugging. I have tried wisdom. I have tried every known form of success. I have tried it all. And Solomon could say, and I've been successful with all of them. Yet he also says this, it's all empty. It's all meaningless. It's all chasing after the wind. That is the sad reality of life. That most people in life are looking for the magic pill, the magic bean, the magic crutch in order to finally feel happy. If I could only find that that woman, if I could only find that man, if I could only find that job, if I could only find that possession, then I would be truly happy. And the answer is no, I wouldn't. Because joy is different. And joy is what I deeply need. Let the godly rejoice. Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes this, for he will not often consider the troubled days of his life because God keeps him occupied and focused on the joy of his heart and the tranquility of God indwells him. See, when you're focused on God and the love that he provides and the joy he embeds, everything else just falls into place. And instead of laying at night with thoughts swimming, and not being able to sleep, and feeling stressed, no, what I'm going to do is focus on the joy that God provides to my heart. Do you have that kind of joy this Advent season? Maybe you've been confused. Maybe you've substituted the word joy with the word happiness, and you've been searching everywhere for happiness, and you have not found it. Because what you're really looking for is not happiness, it is joy. And where does that joy come from? It comes from the Lord the embedded part that God offers into our lives. I would encourage you today to seek the joy that only God can provide, to surrender your heart to him. If you have sin that is keeping you from the joy of God, to confess that. To say, God, I'm sorry. That's not who I want to be. I want to walk with you. As we close the service today, as we close this second part of the Advent season, I would encourage you, to do some business with God and let God convict your heart and ask God the question, am I really full of the joy that only you provide? Let's pray as we close. Father God, you are the source of our joy. Our joy is not found in stuff. Our joy is not found in circumstances. Our joy is not found in relationships. Our joy is found in you. And because you have filled our hearts with joy, it can flow out of us toward others. It can radically alter our relationships when we choose to experience joy. When we have your joy, it fixes our marriage. When we have your joy, it fixes our jobs, even though we're maybe in a job that we don't like. 
With your joy, it fixes our desire for stuff. With your joy, we can go through and experience even those tragic health diagnoses. With your joy, we could experience loss and still focus on you. You have provided us joy, a joy that is unexplainable, a joy that is unimaginable, a joy that is solely from you. As we go through this Christmas season, Lord, help us not only to have the love that you provide, but the joy that you have planted in our hearts. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.